Thank you, guys. Thank you. Really, really glad to be here. Honored to be here. How many of y'all are thankful that the great God is good? Oh, you could do better than that. The great God is good. Yes, and his mercy endures forever. By show of hands, anybody in here a recipient of mercy? I just want to see by show of hands. Now I want to see by show of shouts, how many of you are a recipient of God's grace through Jesus Christ? Amen, amen, amen. That's a blessing uh, to hear and to know uh, that there are a plethora of people who recognize their need and desperation for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and uh, invade their lives and to see the change that only the great gospel can bring. It is an honor and a privilege to be here tonight uh, again with you guys. It's been a year. It's been crazy. A whole lot's happened in this past year. God's been really, really good. So I want to thank Pastor Joby and the team here for inviting me back. It's an honor to be here. And I want to thank you guys also for partnering with Epiphany Fellowship of Brooklyn. That's an independent plant, so it's not a site of Epiphany Fellowship. They don't beam me in like I'm on Star Trek or something. Like, we, it's an independent church plant that is up there, yet connected, and we cover them, but uh, supporting them and loving them. But we're excited about that opportunity. And so for you guys to partner with them, that is a very, very powerful thing uh, to see a partnership miles and miles away uh, of a guy that you guys met. And I brought him with me last year, and he was assisting me last year. And so to see them planting in the core of Brooklyn Bed-Stuy projects, by Bed-Stuy where Jay-Z and Biggie Smalls and Lil' Kim and everybody grew up. So he's going to be sharing the gospel in their neighborhood. Some of y'all are like, I don't know who that is. Some of y'all are like, I'm afraid to let you know that I know who those people are. <laughs> um, but, um, but um, yeah, we're excited about that and thankful that God has given them an opportunity to share the good news about Jesus Christ in that area of the country. Um, Tonight, tonight I want to um, dive in and really make no concession about this time. I think what you guys are doing to uh, have really new school revival with the old school feel of just wanting uh, the Spirit of God to just saturate and to nurture and to develop and to change lives across ethnically and across generations is a powerful reality. So I just want to continue to encourage you in that to keep it going by the grace of Jesus Christ. Well, tonight... Our passage is going to be Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. I'll be reading from the ESV version of the Bible. Y'all don't mind standing while we read the Word, do you? Uh, Let's let's, let's stand. I just love to do that and love to see uh, God's people, those who are able to stand, uh, to stand. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 20. It reads thusly. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Um, I, I, my topic tonight, if I could tag this text, is I want to talk about, in the brief time that I have, I want to talk about uh, uh, the, the resolve of a spirit-filled life. The resolve of a spirit-filled life. Let's go before God. God, living God, uh, King of kings and Lord of lords, we call out to you because of our need for you and our desperation for you. And you have made it clear that you want us to know you. You want us to walk with you. You want us to look like Jesus. You want us to make an imprint and an impact on this planet for your name's sake. And so, God, as, as, as we always pray, we want you to throw your weight around and show the enemy who's boss. Lord God, tonight, will you be glorified and will you edify your saints, Lord God, and transform lives and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our Redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, the resolve, the resolve of a spirit-filled Life. Resolve is an interesting term because that's a term that we'll describe in the beginning and really see its glorious application in the particular text that we're in. You know, we live in a society uh, where people are sure of nothing and sure, or, or they're sure of the wrong things. And uh, we live in a society today that, that, that people are making assertions, uh, even believers. Uh, that are alternative worldviews to the way in which God is nurturing us uh, to move forward in. And, 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 and in our society, whether you're looking at CNN or Fox News or ABC or CBS, or for those of you who watch it, I haven't heard anyone watching in a while, but C-SPAN, um, if, if, you, if you watch uh, those networks, you will see all different types of philosophies coming forth and being pushed forward. Um, you can even see in the way in which uh, leadership is being developed and communicated, if you watch presidential debates, um, that there is a buffoonery, if you will, that is pervading uh, even our leadership levels that reflect the buffoonery of a lack of resolve of people in the United States of America. Um, you can say amen or you can say ouch if it applies to you, but, I, I, but, but, but it's interesting here today. It's interesting here that, that, that there has to be a resolve. Somebody say resolve. Resolve, resolve in the Bible. Resolve in, a, in the Bible it, 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 it points to this. It, 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 it's really, really simple. Is a Holy Spirit-empowered, biblically-rooted gospel response to what God has dropped in your spirit. Let me say that again. Uh, 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 it, it, it is, a, is a Holy Spirit, or if you're old school, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost-empowered, biblically-rooted gospel response to what God has dropped in your spirit based on the word of God. We see this idea in several passages. You don't have to turn there. Over in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, we see it says, Now after these events, Paul resolved in his spirit to pass through Macedonia and Archaea. That, that, that idea is that in the acts of really the Holy Spirit, not the acts of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was nurturing and leading God's people based on biblical mandates, but impressions on their heart based on the word of God being in their heart to move them in particular directions based on them being convinced 
what God says in his word, being convinced of what God told them to do. Paul, when he got his calling to ministry, it's unbelievably powerful. When he got his call to ministry and he got free from blindness, the guy who healed him by the word of Christ said something interesting. Jesus said to him, he said, this dude, this cat right here, let me tell you something about money. This dude right here, he said, he said when I, I'm snatching him and I'm drafting him on my team, Eric Mason translation, and he said, as I'm snatching this dude on my team and drafting him on my team, I'm going to show this cat how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Not only that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him to poor folk. I'm going to take him uh, to rich folk. I'm going to take him uh, to chiefs. I'm going to take him to kings. I'm going to take him to, to, to backwater places. I'm going to use him cross-ethnically. I'm going to cause him to be used cross-generationally. And so that word, based on the word of God, nurtured the resolves of the life of Paul to the point that in the book of Acts, uh, when Agabus was prophesying over him and some of the daughters were prophesying that this is the man that if he goes in Jerusalem, he's going to get his behind whooped like this. But he didn't see the prophetic utterances of them as a deterrent from his calling, but a commitment to push forward to his calling because of the resolve that the word of God gave him to move in that direction. And so we come to a passage in Ephesians that to me reflects this resolve. Um, The Ephesian church was the theologically astute church in the New Testament. It was everybody in there functionally had seminary training in the sense of their theological astuteness. It was probably the most robust and beastly church in the New Testament in in their apology. They're the apologists. Um, The the Bereans check what you said. The Ephesians fought for what's being said. Um, In chapter one, it's, it's where we get this big treatise. Um, in chapter 1, we see in Ephesians chapter 1, where God lays out the glorious corridors of the glory and beauty of the fact that God the Father chose us, that God the Father, uh, uh, say, uh, God the Son saves us, and God the Spirit seals us. Then he talks about in the latter part of that chapter, the illumination that the Spirit will bring by those who grow understanding of his word in chapter two. He walks through the fact that all of us were dead, that none of us were born a Christian. None of us were born right. We were born wrong the first time we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were on a leash by Satan on on our way to hell in a handbasket with gasoline draws on to be separated forever. Uh, um, but then after that, it says, but, 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 but then it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. In other words, you can't save yourself. It takes God to save you. Therefore, there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. And because you can't do anything to save yourself, it takes only the grace, the unmerited favor that comes through Jesus Christ to be showered upon you because you're too dead to save yourself. You're too dead to be powerful. You're too dead to show yourself anything. And so it takes grace to save you. But then he goes after that and he says, and you are his masterpiece, created for good works beforehand in Christ Jesus that you should walk in them. In other words, God eternally predestined works that are already waiting for you. He created you in Christ as a brand spanking new masterpiece, painting by faith in Jesus Christ. And now when you walk in the Christian life on the runway of life, now you're given the ability to live in light of good works that are waiting for you and me out in the world. <laughs> But then chapter 3, he begins to get fly with it. Paul gets real fly with it. He begins talking about the mystery. You can tell right here, he, he, he's getting Davidic. Um, when I say Davidic, he's getting worshipful. 
um, 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 because he begins talking about the mystery of the church, and he begins talking about the fact that God hit these things in ages past, but now is revealing stuff to the church, and he gives us our purpose. He tells us our purpose. He said we are supposed to display the manifold wisdom of God to what? Uh, the ruling class of all demonic figures and worldly figures, and then Paul gets real excited in about t- verse 20 of chapter 3. He says he takes a praise break because he's been doing all this theology, and because he's been talking all this theology. See, some people sit while theology is being dropped. Paul couldn't do that. Paul got so happy that I believe the Holy Ghost had him pause his pen for a minute, and he took a gospel dance real quick, because the Bible says, now unto him. You missed that. See, 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 see. But see, if you know who him is, you would have been shouting by now. In other words, him is the one who stepped out on nothing, called into something, and nothing said, I have to come into existence because God said come into existence. He is the one who parted the Red Sea. He is the one who gave David the Davidic throne. He's the one that made uh, uh, Sarah's body younger so that she can have a baby. She's the one that opened the, uh, the tombs of dead people. He is the one who was in the, tomb, in the, in the heat of uh, uh, the, the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro while they were up in there. My bad, Joby. My bad, Brandon. And he was the one that was the fourth man, him. Paul had to shout, and so he goes practically in chapter 4 and talk about the unity of the church. And then chapter 5, he comes here, and he starts to beast some stuff out. Just a few things. I got a couple resolves to talk to you about, then I'll be out of your way. The resolve of a Holy Spirit-filled life. Uh, Number one, if you're going to have the resolve of a spirit-filled life, number one. You got to resolve that you will live a life of spiritual discernment. You will live a life of spiritual discernment. Look what Paul says in verse 15. It's right here in the passage. He says, look carefully. Somebody say, look. He says, look carefully how, then how you walk, not as unwise, but what? Wise. Look, look, look here is an interesting word. It's in the present active indicative, which points to the, us having a disposition that's always looking. Now, looking here ain't like this. Now, see, most of us, when we look at something, we want to see if somebody's ugly or cute. See, most of us, when we look at something, when we're looking for somebody that we like and we want to get married, we're like, wow, she's fine. Wow, look at Shorty. Woo, she's fine. She'd be like, and the great lady, she'd be like, mm, he's fine. Mm. Bless, bless God's name. Bless God's name. He's fine, right? <laughs> but see, looking here isn't looking at a six-pack and an hourglass. See, looking here is biblical perception. In other words, it means that you can like something with your eyes, but you know that your eyes are deceptive, and so you have to look beyond what you see. In other words, I, I don't know when my, I, you know, I'm going to date myself in a minute, but, 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 but back in the 80s, we had a show called The Thundercats. And when Lionel got to his wits' ends of seeing things with his own eyes, he would pull out the eye of Thundera, and he would hold it before his eyes. And it would say, he would say, he would say, I got to get his voice right. He'd say, uh, he'd say, I of Thundera, give me sight beyond sight. 
then the joint will open up like this, and then he look into that one eye, and then he go, cool, and he be able to see stuff. He ain't even around. He's like, dang, I see a whole bunch of stuff I don't see right now. See, when you walk with Jesus Christ, and when you walk in a spirit-filled life, and you got the Holy Ghost, all you got to say is Holy Ghost. Give me sight beyond sight. And let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost can see better than you. That's why you can't move so fast with everything you want to do. Because, you, because if you're going to live a spirit-filled life, that means you live a life of restraint of your physical eyes. So wait on an answer from God to see with your spiritual eyes. And so here, look is not just a general word, but then he says how you should look. So he says, look carefully. Somebody say carefully. So, so, so bear, carefully means let your looking be based on biblical standards. That means, that means your, uh, to live a spirit-filled life and walking in the spirit-filled life by what the gospel has provided through Jesus Christ, it's us being careful in how we look at things that are around us. Careful here is an interesting word. It means having an honest assessment of how things actually are. An honest assessment. See, the reason why many of us wrestle with a spirit-filled life is because we can't be honest with ourselves. We can't be honest. See, you can't even get saved until you're honest with yourself. That's why Jesus' first sermon was repent, metanoia. In other words, admit you jacked up. That's all that means. Being a Christian means you're constantly admitting your jacked upness so that you can be unjacked up dead by the Holy Ghost. I know it ain't a word, but it works. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, you, you know, you gr- see, see, growing in Christ by the power of the Spirit is being less jacked up today than you were yesterday. That's, that's, that's all it is. And so when you look carefully, that means you're being honest with your compromise. That means you're being honest about your brokenness. That means you're honest about your sins. You're honest about what quickly frustrates you. That means look carefully. See, most of us like look carefully at everybody else, but the text here is pointing to us. See, we can look carefully at everybody else. Oh, I, they, see, Pastor Joby, they should have been in here during the message when you was preaching. I know 15 people. I'm going to bring them next time. Preach, you know, and then you always know who needed to hear a word from God, but you ain't getting one. And so you got to look carefully, carefully. It means having an honest assessment of yourself so that you can walk in a greater sense of the power of the Spirit. He says, he says, look carefully then how you walk. Walk here means behave. You see this idea of walk in Ephesians chapter 2, 2, Ephesians chapter 2, 10, verse 4, uh, 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 chapter 4, verse 1, chapter 4, verse uh, 17, chapter 5, verse 2, chapter 5, verse 8, and now chapter 5, verse 15. So he says, walk, be care- walk carefully now, not, not in just you examining yourself, but also how you walk. In other words, your, your, your disposition on how you do self-assessment will determine how you walk. Now, the Holy Ghost is not an uh, entity that treats you robotically. So he's not, gonna just come, he's not just in you and you're just going to be around here, you know, like you've been hypnotized by a vampire or something, just doing something. You know what I'm saying? That ain't how the Holy Ghost works. The Holy Ghost works based on submission to him. So, so, so when we look at this passage, he says, be careful how you walk. Be careful of your behavior. He says, which is very, very helpful to us to understand and to get um, our, our mind around and to even see. One of the things that, uh, as, as a father of a teenager now, it, it cringe, I cringe when I think that I'm a dad of a teenage dude. Um, teenage dude, all kinds of stuff happening to him right now. All kinds of stuff, man. 
you know, I mean, he, I mean, you know, my son, you know, he's a handsome little golden, he's a little chocolate little youngin. You know what I'm saying? He got his little two-pack, that three-packable, that he, you know, he getting his, he getting his little pecatorius, and so he go up in the room and carrying on. You know, uh, he go up in the room, he said, Dad. I said, what, son? He said, all the honeys was looking at me. Everybody was watching me. I was like, son. You know, and so one of the things I'm most heavy about him is, is he catching this Christian faith? Uh, 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 is, is he getting it to the point to where he can evaluate himself and not only evaluate himself, but begin to, to, to do what Paul is talking about, to, to walk in a particular way that reflects what God is pouring into him through the gospel. Look at what Paul says, though, in relation to this whole idea of the point that I'm making here in the next part of this, where he's talking about this idea of spiritual discernment. Check out what he says. He says, walk as, listen, not as unwise, but wise. I like this. Unwise means to lack spiritual discernment. Wise means to have spiritual discernment. So he says, don't walk as those who basically walk in comprehensive carnality. He, but but, but what, what the word Sophia here in the Greek is, is a word that points back to the Old Testament, a word called chakma. Somebody say chakma. Oh, you got to act like you got a sinus infection or cold and go get it and bring it out. Say chakma. Go like that. You got to put your hand beside your face like this. Do like this. Say chakma. You got it right there. That's it. That's it. And so, and so hakma means to skillfully live out what you know. <laughs> so your spiritual maturity is not based on your theological knowledge. Your, your, listen, listen, listen. Your spiritual maturity is based on how much you've allowed the gospel to work in you through the spirit and apply, listen, the knowledge that you know. One study says that Christians only apply 10% of what they know. So if you don't really know that much, already, and you only apply 10% of that, wow, right? So anyway, somebody said that was too convicting. It is for me too. Um, but that's what Paul is pushing at in a spirit-filled life and on a trajectory. All of our lives as believers should be on a gospel trajectory of Holy Ghost empowerment that God wants to see us look more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So walking as wise, those who are willing to get information and don't have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of notes that you've never looked back at because it was a good word to hear when you wrote it down, but wasn't a good word to go back to to help it to get in your soul. Because the Bible says the Holy Ghost will bring back to your remembrance all those things that are taught to you. In other words, if you don't have anything in you, the Holy Ghost can't go get it and give it to you mentally for you to remember to use it. Therefore, there has to be implantation for transformation, not implantation for comprehensive constipation. And so, and so, and so God's desire is for the word of God to work through us and do work in us. But check it out. Resolve number two. You got to resolve that you will maximize every season that the Lord gives you. You got to maximize. If you're going to uh, live a spirit-filled life based on godly resolves of the Holy Spirit, you, you have to resolve that you will maximize every season that the Lord God gives you. Check out what the text says, family God. It says in verse 16, he says, making 
the best use of the time because the days are evil. Check this out. Um, as you look at this word, I, 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 um, I, it's interesting. Best use is the word where is the word here redeem. Now, the idea of redeeming means to buy back something from what it's captive to. So, so when Paul says here, redeeming the times for the days are evil. Paul wrote something interesting in 2 Timothy. You don't have to turn there, and I'm not going to read it all, chapter 3. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of themselves, <laughs> lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasing, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, uh, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. And so he begins to talk about the days, not that's coming really, but the days that have progressively crept into the time that he's in. And if Paul says his day was messed up, how jacked up 2,000 years later do you think our culture is now? So what, he say, what does he say to the believers? To, to, to walk in depression and just wallow around and talk about how bad things are and just pick it? That's not what, the, that's not what my Bible says. The Bible says, go into the times and, 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 and utilize them based on my desire for it, not the world's desire for it. One of the most convicting words that Jesus ever said to me is in Luke chapter 16, when he gives the parable of the unjust steward. And when he talks about that, you know, people get lost in the parable. But after the parable was over, what he said, uh, Pastor Leon, to, 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 to his disciples was deep. Well, what he says to them is, Pastor Joby, he, said, he, said, he says, the sons of this world are more wise according to their own kind than the sons of light. In other words, the world uses the world for its own benefit better than the people of God use the world that he created for his own purposes to his benefit. So when he's saying buy back the times, he's saying, I want you to get up off your Watusi and get into this culture and make some transformational change by the spirit that I've set you up to make. You can blog all you want. You can tweet all you want. You can get in Facebook chat rooms, closed rooms, open rooms, no rooms, uh, all different types of rooms you want to get. You can get on Tumblr. You can get on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? You can now get on Periscope. You can get on all of those different things, but you have to get up off of yourself and get up off of the typing and get into the life of engaging the brokenness that's in this world that God has set before you to engage because the good works are working and waiting for you. <laughs> Redeem the times. It's crazy that P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, whatever his name is these days, I mean, you can say what you want. He's making the most of his life for whatever he's believing in. Revolt TV, Sirat Vodka, Biggie Smalls in the 90s, making a imprint, unredeemed imprint on culture. Unredeemed imprint. You have Steve Jobs. He's gone now. 
But the creation of iTunes digitizing music changed the landscape of art forever. Having a smartphone, all these different things, and I'm not dogging th- th- those people and these sorts of things, but if they can get in and, and make unredeemed transformation to the world, why is it that believers who have businesses, believers who have families, believers who are fathers, believers who are mothers, believers who are single, believers who are in college, believers who are out here can't make some type of gospel imprint through the means by which the living God has placed in your hands. The Holy Ghost is not just filling you to shout. He wants you to shut the world down for his glory. That's what he wants you to do. And you, you're, you're called by the living God to make your way as an indigenous missionary in this culture and believe God by faith. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel that is preached on TV. I'm talking about biblical prosperity. Biblical prosperity is uh, th- these are the keys to the kingdom. I've given them to you. And, and go into the world and the gates of hell won't prevail against you. That's, that's biblical prosperity. Biblical prosperity means you're going to suffer, but you can prosper in spiritual growth and commitment and reflecting me, even in the midst of being messed up. And so when we talk about redeeming the times, you're not too old. You're not too young to bring redemption. There is nowhere in your life where you can't Work where you are, no matter how gifted you think you are, how ungifted you think you are. The Holy Ghost has given you the power through the gospel to be able to do that by the might of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul moves forward and talks about this reality of maximizing our lives for redemption. That means no area of your life and no season of your life is mundane. No time is mundane. You maximize every season. What if David looked at his time in the caves of Adullam running from Saul as mundane? We wouldn't have many of the Psalms that we have. Even in the midst of him running from a guy that was supposed to be a mentor to him, he maximized that time and the Spirit of God utilized that time for him to give centuries-old Scripture to us even to this day. He redeemed the times. That he was in. And that's what God calls us to do as believers, to redeem the times and maximize the seasons that he's given us because the days are evil and getting evil-er. Last but not least, I'm, I'm out your way after this. Last point. This is the most important one, though. You must resolve that the Lord will be the strongest influence in your life. Um, you're going to have to resolve that. That's something that you're going to have to come to terms with. Look at what big brother Paul says here. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, for this is debauchery or dissipation or in access, as some translations say. But he say, but be filled. Somebody say, be filled. filled. Yeah, that's it. With the Spirit. This is it. This right here 
is the core of what he's saying. The idea of here being filled with the Spirit literally can be translated, be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, when Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit in this passage, it is a powerful and unbelievable reality because being filled with the Spirit is a passive act of the Holy Ghost filling us and being under the control of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul is pointing us to and helping us to is something bigger here, though. He uses this word plurao earlier in the book of Ephesians in verse 19 of chapter 3. It's very, very powerful how he uses it because he tells the Ephesian church right before the doxology where he shouts to be filled with the fullness of God. Now, when you come over here to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, what he's saying is he's not actually saying be filled with the Spirit. He's actually saying, be filled by means of the Spirit. In other words, when Paul says be filled with the fullness of God, it includes the Spirit. But really what he's saying, the Spirit is the means by which we're filled with the Godhead. And so, and so, and so when we're under the submissive power of the Spirit, we're being filled with the fullness of who God is. That means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit by means of the Spirit in those times when we are under his submissive control over and over and over again in different points of our life. We see Peter in chapter three, two of Acts being filled with the Spirit and then in chapter four being filled again. Now, how in the world, <coughs> if the day of Pentecost was the ultimate filling, would the apostle who was supposed to shepherd Christ's sheep be filled with the Spirit again, because even though, even though he was filled then, even knucklehead Peter needed to be filled over and over and over again. Paul was filled in Acts chapter 9 and was filled again later when he spoke to uh, the demon that was in that little girl. So over and over and over again, we see this reality of the people of God not being filled once, but it's a lifestyle of comprehensive submission to the Spirit by which he gets control of you and begin to redeem times through you. Plurao has three points in it, and I'm out your way, I promise. Number one, plurao, or being filled with the Spirit, points to domination. Domination. Domination points to the lordship of the Spirit. The Lordship of the Holy Spirit. See, most people think the Holy Ghost is the sucker of the Trinity. Think he's some type of punk. You know what I'm saying? Um, you, let me let me explain what I mean. See, people be like, Holy Spirit, I need you to come over here and heal this person. You know, if you want, hey, hey, Holy Spirit, come in. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come in. See, ho, see, that he's God. So you can't treat the Holy Spirit like he's the stepchild of the Trinity. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Paul in Acts 16 was prevented by the spirit of going into Asia, and he had to submit. Why? Because the spirit is his Lord. And we have to remind ourselves, we talk about the lordship of Christ, but the lordship of Christ is mediated to us by Christ so that we can be under the lordship of the Holy Ghost. That's what our lives are about. And 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 so domination is the first thing, but the next one is pressure. Somebody say pressure. Plurao was used of ships, I love this, of ships putting up their sails. And when they put up their sails, they would allow the wind to blow on them to take them in the direction that they were supposed to go in. See, walking as a believer, being filled with the Spirit, is not you um, making the Spirit do anything. 
It's you putting up the sail of your soul to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, where do you want me to go? Blow me, and I'm not talking about hippie Christianity where you're eating granola and got a piece of straw in your mouth and you're skipping and wondering what you should do today. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about a resolve that, God, I believe that you're guiding me. And based on your word, show me what I should do. Blow me in the direction. If this person over here is a mess, God, blow me the heck away from them. God, if I'm in the wrong situation, blow me out of here. God, if that's the direction that you want to go, close every door and blow open the door so that I can go where you want me to go. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to have discernment and clarity that the Spirit is leading you and guiding you. This is not some mystical charismania. It's a biblical, central idea. But then lastly, and not leastly, we saw that it was the, the Holy Ghost fills us, and it's about domination. For domination, and next, it's about pressure blowing on us, where he wants us to go, number three, and I'm out your way, family. Last but not least, it's permeation. Permeation. Idea of permeation is for the Spirit to saturate every single area of our lives. Now, let me see if I can make this plain. Um, I'm from the hood, so we couldn't buy Tropicana Pure Premium non-concentrated orange juice. <laughs> you know, I know all of us in here ain't in there either, but some of y'all been drinking non-concentrated orange juice all your life. Some of us just got on to come up, you know. But, but, but what, we, what we had in my neighborhood was Kool-Aid. Now, some of y'all drank Kool-Aid by choice. Some of us drank Kool-Aid because we had to. And, and, and what we would do is when we would get the Kool-Aid, we would get our Kool-Aid jug. That was a special jug in the house, the Kool-Aid jug. Then my favorite color was red, my favorite. Then, then you'd uh, rip the top off, and you, you'd sniff it, and it would hit your head. You'd go like, you go like that, because the powder would get in the atmosphere. Um, you know, kids, we crazy. And then you would pour the Kool-Aid into the water, and immediately that clear water would be permeated with the fullness of the color of that which was placed in it. To the point now that you put the Kool-Aid in the water, the water and the Kool-Aid are inseparable. Because the molecules in the Kool-Aid have connected to the molecules in the water, and now they are permanently attached to one another. And, and, and that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, is once the Spirit comes into your life at salvation, once he's there, he is so there, he's attached to every area of your life. And as you grow spiritually, and as you know him more deeply, the Kool-Aid of the ghost fills you all the way in and all the way through and permeates every single area of your life. But it ain't over because when you make Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid ain't Kool-Aid without sugar. Now, we had a trick on the block. See, you don't want to put uh, sugar in cold Kool-Aid. 
because it will settle at the bottom and it'll get real gritty. So what you had to do, family of God, you have to heat that water up so that when you put the flavor into the Kool-Aid, the molecular structure of the water hugs the sugar. And when that happens, now like no other, you have the best Kool-Aid you can have. It was too sweet, we called it ghetto-aid. Uh, it, it's like sweet tea, but just red. And, 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 and it would get in there so deeply because it was heated up. Sometimes for the spirit to work in your life, sometimes for the flavor that God wants in your life, sometimes the transformation that God wants in your life, in order for it to happen like God wants it to happen, God has to heat you up. See, God doesn't want to pour flavor into cold folk. God wants to give flavor to hot folk. And I'm so glad that we have a hot savior. He's hot to trot. He's our imperial majesty. He's the master that took the most heat. He's the one that's exalted forever, who came and died on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, he got up from the grave, posted in the b-boy stance, saying that all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And now he delivers to us by faith himself for our lives to reflect that same reality. I don't know about you. I don't know where you are in your life, and I don't know what's going on, but I want all that God has for me. I want to do all that God wants me to do. I want to go all, every place that God wants me to go. I want the change that God wants to happen in my life. I want God to get the mess out of my way. I want God to get people out of my way that ain't got no business in my life. I want of the permeation power of the spirit to be removed so the Kool-Aid of the ghost can get everywhere in my life. So I ask you today, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior. Maybe you're here and you have a lot of different resolves. But really for the believer, there's really only one true resolve. That Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ was raised from the dead. And he's coming again. And in that resolve, the first point of the resolve is that he died. And him dying, he died because God has a beef, not with him, but with us. He has a beef with how we were born. He has a beef with the nature that we have. He has a beef. He has an issue with how we live. So what he did was he sent his son. Jesus took on an additional nature without taking out his eternal nature. He took on humanity. And God, on the cross, poured his beef with us on Jesus. So that when Jesus was crushed, those who have faith in what he has done for them, that 
God put his anger towards their sin nature and their sin, them missing the mark, us not listening, us going our own direction, us thinking that our pride saves us, our reading of the word saves us, us singing on the choir or singing uh, on the praise team or ushering or being the youth in the youth group that answers all the questions. We thought that saved us. But by grace are you saved through faith. Not that it works. It's a gift of God so that none of us could boast. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your confidence in Christ's finished work on the cross. And you say today, Pastor E, I want to put my confidence in Christ. Every head bow, every eye closed. If that's you, and you out there, slip your hand in the air. I would love to talk to you about what it means to put your confidence into Christ. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone says, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone? If you're out there, you can come forward. We'd love to pray with you and talk to you about what it means to come to God through Jesus Christ by faith and what he's done on the cross. That's you. Slip out your seat. We got people that want to talk to you about the best news that you could ever have. Anyone? Anyone? Amen. Well, maybe you're here tonight and you're a believer, yet you know your life is not filled with the resolve of what God has done. I didn't finish it up, but it says, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, making melody in your heart to the Lord. How do you get filled with the Spirit? Worship. <laughs> Worship. Getting filled with the Spirit, based on the text, happens by the Spirit working and coming, not coming on us, because we already have the Spirit, those who know Jesus, but zoom lensing into different areas of our life like a hand in a glove to permeate every area of our life. If you're here and you've been wrestling with submission to God's Spirit, I would love to pray for you today, tonight. I would love to pray for you. And if you need more prayer, there'll be some people that'll be standing up here being able to pray for you as well on more deeper issues. But if that's you, I'm not going to pump you a prime, you will beg you. You know your need. Come on up. I'll pray for you. You can come on right up in front of me. That's you. You're saying, yeah, I need, I, need, I need what you're talking about. I need to deepen my resolve with the Lord. I see you coming. Thank you, sis, for coming. Thank you, sis, for your boldness. Anybody else that wants to be bold by faith? I see you coming. I see you coming. Anyone else? I see you, brother. I see you coming. That's good stuff. I see you coming, bro. Yeah, anyone else? Yeah, I see you, brother. I see you. I see you. I see y'all coming. Y'all come on, just fill it up. Just fill it up. In whatever way you want to come, you can kneel before the Lord. You can stand. You can lift your hands. Anybody else that says, I, I know that my life is filled with compromise. And I haven't let the work of the Spirit work in me in a way where I have solid resolves. I'm like Ephesians 4 says, I'm tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I'm all over the place. And I have no stability in my life. And I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to stabilize me by trust in the work of Christ for the Spirit to work in my life. I see you, brother. Anybody else? Ain't nothing to be afraid of. This is, this is a big deal. It's a big deal for you because God can bring comprehensive transformation and continuing work in your life in so many powerful ways so that you can resolve that. Yeah, I'm, I see you, sis. Thank you for coming. Anybody else? Yeah, so that you can resolve that, Lord, I, I, want, I, I can have a godly resolve 
that you're going to work in powerful ways and that you're going to help me to be clear and have biblical standards that drive me by the Spirit's power, that I will maximize every single season in my life. Maybe you're here and you're called to ministry, full-time vocational ministry. Everybody's a minister. We know that. But maybe you're here and you're wrestling with that call. And God is, the Holy Ghost is hitting at you. He's going like this. I'm just telling you, you will not win a good fight between the Spirit. I'm going to just tell you right now, He will knock you out. And instead of letting Him knock you out, why don't you just submit and throw in the towel and say, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done doing things on my own. Not just call the ministry, just anywhere in your life. You say, I, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm giving up on myself and giving in to God. Anyone else? I see you, sis. Thank you for coming. Anybody else? I sense that there's a few more people, and then I'll, I'll be out your way. I just want to pray for you. Nothing deep. Nobody's watching. Nobody's watching. Just the Lord working. Thank you for coming, sis. Anybody else? Anyone else? I see you coming, brother. I see you coming. I, I just sense he's pricking some of y'all, and y'all are wrestling. Y'all are just wrestling. I see y'all coming, brothers. Thank y'all for coming. Thank y'all for coming. Anyone else? I sense a few more people. And since it's open, Pastor Joby said I can just open this up. And is anybody, anyone else, anyone? I see you coming, brother. Thank you for your boldness. I see you coming from the back. I see you coming from the back. Thank you. I see you just popped up. Thank you for popping up. All oh, the two of y'all, that's good. I see y'all popping up. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you popped up. That's what's up. That's what's up. The Spirit's moving in your life. He's, I see you coming, brother. I see you coming. I see you coming, sis. Yeah. Yeah. And God wants you to have stability. Stability. And stability isn't knowing everything. Some of you need to know too much. Stability is knowing God. <laughs> Period. Because he's the faithful one. And God says, I want to root you. Some of you have been trying to find stability in your ability to make everything happen because you're so entrepreneurial. God is saying, your stability, I don't mind, I made you entrepreneurial, but your entrepreneurialism isn't your stability, I am. And you're going to have to let me blow in your life. I don't want to permeate areas. Some of you here have some places in your life that you've locked off from God. And the Spirit saying, based on the Word, I want to permeate that area and fill it with myself. Anyone here tonight? Anyone else? Anyone else before we pray? Let's get it. Even if I start praying, I, you can still come forward. Father, what a wonderful reality that we get to have to know you by faith. The most powerful asset to our lives is to know you by faith. It's the greatest reality in our lives. He said, and this is eternal life, that you know God and his only son in whom he sent. That's the best thing to ever happen. And now that it has happened to you, I'm praying in Jesus' mighty name that God would deepen that reality that knowing him is not just justification. I'm no longer going to hell. God is no longer angry at me because of my sin. But the outworking of God's justifying work, God, we know, is you sanctifying us by submitting to your work through the Spirit. So I pray for every man and woman here. I pray 
for those who are compromising right now. Thank you for coming. For those who are sitting in the seat of compromise, and they know that they, they, you, you've shown them some things in the Word, they have some encounters with you by the Spirit, and are treading upon the glorious grace that you've given them. God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would make them restless, that you would bug them, wake them up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning, give them insomnia, and speak to their souls. Make them restless because of your relentless love for them, for your relentless passion for them, God, for your desire for them to see you more clearly and for the Spirit to be the means by which they see your word more clearly. There's some people in here you're calling to some sacrifices in their life. They have some things in the way that they are holding on to deeply and I'm asking you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, open them up to just give it up. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, and I pray that those who are trying to walk away from you, that you would stand in every way that they try to go towards. And God, now I pray that you would give them great discernment, that you would give them great discernment and let them know that your steps are ordered by the Lord. Many are the plans of a man or woman's heart, but the Lord orders their steps. God, will you shower down clarity and when you give them a sense of spiritual revival and renewal like they've never experienced before, I pray that those who are older, who felt like they wasted their time, I hear the Lord saying in his word that I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Even though you felt like you wasted your time, I will make the successes in your life and the strength of me doing things in your life like you never wasted your time. He will restore the years. And I pray for the young believer that feels like it's just wrestling, like everything, all the types of alarms are going off in their flesh, and they're wondering, is Christianity real? And they're wondering whether or not I should take a break from this thing. Lord, I pray that you would wrestle them down like Jacob at midnight, touch them on the hip, touch them on the hip, cripple them so they'll have a moment of impact from you where they'll never forget that they met you by your might and by your power, and by your strength. Break them if you have to, God. Shatter things if you have to, God. Interrupt them, God. May your name be branded in the corners of their soul. May the Lord Jesus Christ, his imperial majesty, his holiness, the Lord Jesus, be magnified in your life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.